What's up and welcome to episode 17 of What Lies Beneath the Seattle Kraken Podcast. Kraken reaction coming up. Not too shabby for your Seattle Kraken. We'll break down the last few games and what's coming up. Uh, I think we have to have like 9,000 games in the next two months. we got to talk about the All-Star Weekend. There's trade rumors. No dumb questions. Face-offs. And holy smokes, there's so much about face-offs there's so much to learn i don't know if we're going to cover it all it's pretty nuts but we'll talk about certain perfectly awesome face-off players and in hockey history it's the history of the biscuit what is a biscuit joey do you know what that is you're in you're not really in the intro often but you know what a biscuit is biscuit is the puck that's right it's the puck he got it it's the hockey history history of the biscuit so let's get rolling episode 17 what lies beneath the seattle kraken podcast I'm Jeff Janusik, and as you just heard, that is my friend and co-host, Joey Cirillo. Welcome to What Lies Beneath, the Seattle Kraken podcast. Dude, so much going on this week. Uh, I, I think it's a completely uh, different episode for Joey coming off of his crazy New York bender uh, from just about a week ago. <laughs> you uh, you didn't do much in this last week because you you did you pick did you catch like mcdonald's vid from the bathroom floor of the mcdonald's where you were laying on the floor in new york city for hours i'm pretty sure i i uh, brought a new strain of covid to the united states of america from the bathroom floor of that mcdonald's in new york no man um it was pretty brutal the last podcast episode we taped like i mean you noticed that my voice was kind of going out i mean i literally got off the flight was working on on the pod on the flight and then we recorded i was probably operating around like a 60% during that episode. I'm back to like an 80, but this past week, I mean, I legitimately did not leave my bed for a couple of days. I binged a shit ton of TV, uh, caught up on movies and, uh, and overall cannot move, but I tested negative. I just got some extreme cold, whatever the hell is going around. Everyone's getting sick. It's that time of year, but I did it to myself. This is not a pity party. And now we're back, baby. I got to watch the Kraken. I got to watch NFL playoffs and I'm caught up on Ozark. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I think uh, it's safe to say, Are again, I know we talked about this last episode, but are you going to accept edibles from strangers uh, and, and ever again and then wind up on a McDonald's bathroom floor in New York? Listen, sober Joey, who is currently right now drinking some delicious English breakfast tea, with a little bit of honey, will tell you no. Three weeks from now, Mardi Gras Joey, that's a whole nother Joey. That's that's Jekyll and Hyde. I got two different sides to myself over here. So I can't, I don't want to make any promises uh, for Mardi Gras Joey because that's a whole nother beast. Well, I think we should save Mardi Gras talk for next episode, which will be the week just before um, the parade season starts. So let's let's talk more about that because, um, you know, you're deep into Mardi Gras. I'm deep into Mardi Gras. My wife is, uh, you know, part of, Mardi Gras history with their family and uh, one of the crews. So like we should talk about it then. Um, but you know, I, I I'm, I'm actually really happy with the way the Kraken are playing right now. I think as a Kraken fan, whether, you know, you were in New York city or uh, getting ready for Mardi Gras, you gotta be pretty happy right now. So let's just jump right into it. Let's get into the Kraken reaction. Kraken are one and two in their last three games. But overall, uh, I, I mean, I, I really, you know, we're obviously not a stats-driven podcast here. But in the last 
you know, five, six, seven games, I just, I just feel a difference. I don't know what happened. I don't know what, what this team has the chemistry that I just love to see. Uh, they're scrappy. They're fighters. I, I they have cracking shit happen to them. They still, <laughs> but it's not like they have completely off games. Like they're not, they haven't had any game. And, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, but they, I feel like they haven't had a game where they're just completely out of it and dead to the world and not even in the same league as these teams uh, in the past, say five, six, seven games. No, you're totally right. I mean, if I, if I, you know, gun to my head, I had to pick one game where the Kraken seemed like they were kind of out of it and it felt whatever it was the game against Nashville. So this past Tuesday on the 25th, I don't know why that game didn't feel so great, but yeah, to your point, like five out of their last, their last seven doing, doing pretty good. Now, do you want to start off covering that game versus the Predators or do you want to go off uh, recent memory here and talk about the Rangers? I think we start with the Preds because okay. honestly, it, it feels like a blur to me. So going back, we yeah. should probably refresh about the Predators. I don't know. I, I watched that game. Um, you know, I, I watched it with the sound down. Um, and I guess that was a good thing for a lot of people because, um, <laughs> I mean, it started off not, not too great because this was a national broadcast ESPN game. <sighs> and it just was not, <laughs> not great. Now, this was funny. Is I was watching it on my laptop with the sound down. So I didn't hear who it was. I totally whiffed on that. But you watched the game. Like, what was going on? So that is actually the first note that I have here. So I appreciate you teaming me up like that. Uh, I just wrote down that this is a John Forslund and JT Brown appreciation game. And I wrote that down because it's not that the broadcast was horrible. Like it was decent. It was average. There was an, a general kind of a lack of enthusiasm for the game. And also, when you're starting to like mispronounce players' names, I'm out. Like, I'm sorry, I'm out. And in fact, the one person that I was really in on during the broadcast was actually Linda Cohn. So Linda Cohn, longtime ESPN broadcaster, she's a freaking legend. She held it down, but she wasn't utilized as much. She was kind of jumping in and doing like the, hey, I'm... You know, I'm down here up against up against the glass and just throwing out some random cool facts here and now. But I don't know. I, I, I would have liked to hear more from her. I guess what I'm trying to say is we are very, very blessed. Like Hockey Jesus came down and gave us John Forslund and JT Brown to be our broadcasters for the Seattle Kraken. They are so fucking good at their job. And it's not like I ever forgot that. But whenever we have to watch a, another broadcast, we are quickly reminded how impeccable they are um, with their job. It's an extremely difficult job. They make it look extremely easy. So I just want to give them a ton of credit because all it took was one game and like two minutes in, I was like, I'm over this. Like there was like no energy for it. The feel was completely off. Mispronouncing players' names, I was totally out. And again, wasn't that bad, but it was average. But we get great on an almost nightly basis. Yeah, that's, that, that is true. I mean, they are the, the Seattle Kraken broadcast team is excellent. I mean, I I really enjoy on the ESPN Plus app when uh, you get to choose your feed mm -hmm. for the game, and I'm always happy to choose the Kraken feed. So, you know, that's something that I think the Kraken don't get enough credit for is putting together a pretty stellar broadcast team. 
Um, something I, I should try to listen to a radio broadcast one time just to see how those guys are, you know, from my radio days, just to, to check them out. But yeah, John Forsland and uh, JT Brown, pretty awesome. Actually, they just tweeted earlier today um, them on the flight back, and it was a picture of them wearing the same color sweater. <laughs> so like they're totally <laughs> in sync. On, on the way to a road trip earlier in the season too, where they both got on, they're kind of like ma- wearing matching sweaters. Mm-hmm. It's really adorable. And I have to ask you a really quick question. Sure. And it's something that I thought about. So your background, you worked in radio for a very long time. Yeah. I want, I guess my question to you is, as a former professional in that same space, is there anything that you think you notice about them and their broadcasting skills, abilities, et cetera, that the average person like myself, who's a fucking idiot, who just turns on ESPN Plus and is like, oh, these guys are great, that you might notice that somebody like myself might not? I don't think so. I, not, not when it comes to radio. Like I, I was a radio personality, just kind of like you know I'm doing here with you, which is fun. You know, like just talking and you're interviewing Justin Bieber. Now you're hanging out with Joey Cirillo, so it's a little different, man. I'm just saying, Joey Cirillo, which is Joey like Drew, kind of the same thing. Um, no, but I, what I like about John Forsland as a um, as a play by play guy is he's got a little attitude to him. He's got you know traditionally play by play guys are supposed to just be that, just be just guys who describe what's going on, but he's he's good because he's seasoned. He, he's, you know, got so much experience, but he has fun with it. So I like that a lot. And JT Brown, I mean, you can kind of tell that he's, you know, a little newer to the game, but they're great. They just kind of round each other out. Um, and I really love it. So no, technically, no, I mean, that I could never do that. I mean, honestly, I'm still in awe of, um, you know, play-by-play guys for sure. I mean, color commentary, um, I've actually done that. I've actually done color commentary um, a couple of times. I'm trying to think, what was it for? It was for a, was it for a hockey game, a minor league hockey game, like way back in the day? I think so. Which was which was really neat. This is like something really small. But anyway, as far as play by play, I just don't know how they do it. I don't know how they, you know, study to know all the players and just you know really follow all that sort of stuff. So long story short, just love for ESPN. You don't. <laughs> apparently not <laughs> you just apparently roll in there and be like i think i have a pretty good feel for this i'm just going to kind of wing it unless no, so, you're <laughs> well so the, it, it, anyway uh it was uh it was definitely i had the sound down but i was watching tweets going like what the hell's going on uh but anyway so what i will say is what i like is jared mccann is on a on a streak he's scoring goals like crazy i mean he freaking scores on a 503 and it was like a it was like a hell yeah goal because like he's just like a laser a cannon uh, which was nice, and they opened up the scoring there. But you know, Kraken shit does continue to plague the Seattle Kraken. What is Kraken shit? Um, it's at least not entire games of Kraken shit, but they just do things that are labeled Kraken shit, such as giving up a goal with a few seconds left in the first period. Yeah, and- uh, yeah. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Twenty-one seconds to be exact. And you know what the thing about Kraken shit is that now. We joke around with it, right? And it could be a negative thing, like they give up a goal uh, right after puck drop to start to, to start a game, or they give up a goal with a couple of seconds left in a period that completely shifts the momentum. But later on, three to five years from now, or however long it takes, where the Kraken are a, a team that's in the playoffs and they're pushing for a cup, Kraken shit can also be a good thing. We're going to turn this thing right around, and it's going to be positive Kraken shit, and we're all going to be in on it. But yes, unfortunately, this game had some Kraken shit. Um, like you just mentioned, 21 seconds left in the first period, uh, giving up the goal. It just, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. To me, it has to be a coaching thing about the team kind of falling asleep at the wheel. Um, I don't know if it's like, you know, once there's like 60 seconds on the clock, like they're checking out. Like if they, like the, if the Kraken right now were a coworker 
they would be the coworker who definitely dips out early and pretends like they went to the bathroom and you know they had like left for lunch. Like that would that would be the Kraken. Meanwhile, the other teams like still at their desk getting their work done. <laughs> you know, uh, I think it's a pretty good uh, summary. I like that work workplace almost like office type scenario. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I respect like that. that person tremendously. Unless, yes. I'm, unless I'm counting on that person to turn in something on time and they don't do it because they dipped out early. And the next thing you know, the boss is calling. You're like, holy shit. That's that's cracking shit. So some more cracking shit happened immediately after that goal. But it was like awesome cracking shit. And I should have I, I, I totally honestly, man, I, I kind of forgot that. I figured out who my favorite Seattle Kraken player is. <laughs> I was going to bring this up to you earlier. Um, did Vince Dunn, did his did his backy hand when he bitch slaps the opposing <laughs> player who we still will, we will probably never know what he said to him on the ice. By the way, great acting job. Um, I, I forgot who tweeted it, but some account was like, this person went to the uh, LeBron James school of flopping because – that was such an egregious flop that everyone in the ice looked at him like, are you serious right now? Now, granted, Vince Dumb, like he put some oomph into it. Is he officially now your favorite player? And to give yeah. you credit also, you called this before the game even started. In fact, on our last podcast episode, Vince Dunn did something in game. Slew foot. He did the slew foot. And that's mm-hmm. right. We covered it and no dumb questions. And you even said, from now on, I'll be watching Vince Dunn because he is emerging as the guy that you kind of don't fuck with because he will he will jump in. He will start something or he'll end something. And lo and behold, the very next game, what does he do? He backhands somebody to the ice. I was so excited to see that. I'm, thank you for you, – we're, we're a good team because thank you for, for, for saying that because I thought about it in the moment. And I was like, damn, I totally knew I had to watch this guy. And it's like he I think they must listen to our podcast because because I'm telling you, man, is since we call since I kind of called out Philip Grubauer uh, like three weeks ago, he's been playing, you know, with his head screwed on tight and doing pretty solid. So I feel like he heard we that. Did say, we did say with the pads, we were like, hey, he should just keep rocking the pads. He should pull a, a Sergey Bobrovsky. And guess what? He did. And since then, look how things have turned out. They might be listening to our podcast. I think you're right. Look, there's a lot of really good Kraken podcasts out there, okay? And but I, I know we're the best. I mean, I, I know that, and they obviously do too because you know they're listening. And Vince Dunn comes in, and again, I played with that. Like I, I put it on. We have a TikTok account. It's neglected, uh, but I was playing with that video the whole next day to mess around with. I just I I've watched that that backhanded slap. Uh, on cousins, I think I've watched that video probably a hundred times. I and just now that I I think love about it. it. You know, I think I think what cousins was saying to Dunn in that moment was, "Oh, was your boyfriend Jeff watching you right now? Yeah, you listen to uh, <laughs> listen to what lies beneath backhand right First across all, the face. Fucking Dunn or Dunn or new. I'm just that's all I'm saying. That's a douche move because your sexual preferences should not ever be something used that's used against you like that. I that's agree. That's why he horrible why he backhanded. That is a horrible thing to do. So if that were the case or allegedly or whatever I have to say to protect myself uh, from whatever was said, although I did, I did follow from our account Vince Dunn on Instagram and uh, you can send direct messages without them following you. So I did. Uh, I literally, and I screenshotted it. I did follow Vince Dunn and sent him a message saying, what did cousin say to you? To cause him, you know, to cause you to, you know, smack him across the face. No answer yet. I have, but I'm gonna. It's gonna happen because this, this is a pro Vince Dunn show. So it's gonna keep building. I think we're gonna get an answer for the end of the season. I'm, I'm, but I'm telling Dude. you, 
we're listen, we're gonna get we're gonna get answers because right now they're lucky that they can literally skate by us and pretend like we don't exist because we're only a couple months in. But guess what? This podcast has taken off. People are starting to listen and people are starting to pay attention. And we don't forget. I know right. I, I certainly won't forget. So hey, you know. guess what? Guess what, Vince? I want to know what he said to you. Just like when JT Brown said that Jar Jar Binks was his favorite Star Wars character. Guess what, JT? I didn't forget that either. And one day we're gonna interview you and I'm bringing all this shit up. I, this is insane. Like you, you, you know, you're you're uh, taking strangers' edibles and passing out on a McDonald's bathroom floor. I don't do any of that stuff. I mean, I, I enjoy my drink, but like I have three small children. You, you, your memory has literally been like hard reset fifty million times, <laughs> and you somehow remember everything. Your your brain is amazing. I'm I'm honestly in, in awe of your 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 brain's performance here, man. Like you're you're on your brain is on fire. Like it was literally on fire this last past week with this disease that you got or whatever it was. Yes. But yes. you have like somehow you just keep coming through. So I don't know. Don't change a thing, man. Be you. I, pre- I appreciate that. So uh, sp- speaking of memory, though, uh, so this is going back to something that we've brought up before in a couple of previous podcast episodes, but how quickly um, a game can turn around based off of the play of a goalie. So Soros, uh, again, I'm going back to the, the game against the Predators last Tuesday. He had an incredible save um, on a shorthanded breakaway on the Kraken. And uh, that on that save ended up leading to a goal for the Predators that ended up sealing it. And when those moments happen, it just rem- it reminds me of those conversations that you and I have about how a save like that can really, quite literally in the moment, swing the momentum. And you can feel it. And, uh, you know, you get, a, you get a save like that and you, you get a, a guy skating up ice and you get, you know, one or two good passes. And the next thing you know, um, you go from being hopeful to, to being down. And at that point, the Cracker were down uh, four to two. And that was the final score of that game, and they end up losing it. Yeah, it. I thought it was a tight game. Nashville's a, a good, good team. Uh, I, I, I like, I like the Kraken's fight there. I, I like what happened with Vince Dunn because that is again uh, a statement saying like you're not going to screw with us. So whatever he said uh, to him, I mean, that that's an example of I think even though we lost, there they did not get destroyed. They fought hard the whole game. They had some cracking shit happen. Yeah. Yeah. Also, too, when you have like all world players like Philip Forsberg with that freaking goal, Jesus! That, Not only the goal, but he skated end to end, end to end. I mean, he, he just he literally took it like the entire length of the ice and then fired a ridiculous shot from it. a good distance away. I mean, holy hell! Holy shit! That was pretty. So they lose four two, and then that was Tuesday. Moving into Thursday against the Penguins. Penguins pretty hot, uh, you know, at least until we we played them. And this game was again I really we. We need to, okay, note, take your awesome memory, write this down. So next episode, so far, we have to talk about Mardi Gras, but we should break down uh, or at least rank our top five games of the season so far. Okay. I'm going to look back at this and I'm going to pick my top five. You should pick your top five. I think that the, the Penguins game is a top five game. I think that was a huge win to to beat them two to one, especially to, uh, you know, the first start of the first game of a road trip. So in Pittsburgh to do that, pretty awesome. Yeah, it was. I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And not only, you know, you're going to up against a really great team that is also getting healthier and getting better as the season progresses. Uh, they have a, a, a good, great veteran presence on their team. I was watching some highlights of the Penguins before we played them, and they're doing like no look uh, behind the back 
passes between their legs to set up their uh, their uh, teammates on scoring goals. I mean, the shit that they do that they that they make seem normal is not normal at all. So yeah, I was really nervous going into the game. The first period started out great. Um, I mean, the Kraken were really matching uh, the energy and the efficiency of the Penguins. Uh, and you know, going to the second period, Malkin scores on the power play because, of, of course, they do. Their passing, by the way, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was, it's hard not to be impressed by that team. Um, is I, I don't know. It was just something yeah. that uh, that really, really stood out. I was like, oh, this is what uh, a team that's fighting, you know, that's vying for the cup, uh, looks like. Um, McCann, he ends up scoring the the equalizer. It goes into overtime. Uh, Larson scores the overtime goal. Um, it's the so Larson scoring in consecutive games was the first time in his career that he has done that, and that also that goal equaled his career high um, in goals per season, um, and that's just great. And 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 again, like you said, McCann is is on a heater. This was his second goal in two games, um, and he later on, you know, the next thing that we're talking about, he scores in the Rangers game, so three goals in three games, but. Yeah, that, this was not a game um, that the Kraken were supposed to win. Um, everyone's money was on Pittsburgh, and uh, and the Kraken ended up pulling it off. And the thing that I really noticed that that stood out to me was uh, in the third period alone, the Kraken outshot Pittsburgh eighteen to four in two to nothing in overtime. And honestly, like they were the better team, and and for them to go into Pittsburgh and play like that was just. That, that that was like future cracking shit. It was incredible. <laughs> well, that's that's another note that I want to look up too. Is I wonder because you know obviously if you outshoot a team, it's probably a pretty simple stat. I really don't know if this is a this is uh, the Rangers. Uh, well, I don't know if this like outshooting a team. I don't know if that means like if the Kraken win games more often if they outshoot a, a team, which would make kind of some sense, right? But I mean yeah. that that alone right there in the third period to outshoot the Penguins eighteen to four pretty pretty phenomenal also two testament to the fact that the penguins have also fantastic goaltending and yeah um i just wanted to mention like i've grown up watching evgeny evgeny malkin uh play hockey and the dude is the dude is insane he's just he's just he he's arguably the best player in the world um maybe not anymore because he's older and he's been injured quite a bit but uh, he kind of rivals mario lemieux in a lot of ways uh, because he's a big dude but also a lot of injuries Mm-hmm. Um, and had Mario Lemieux not, uh, you know, had injuries also, um, you know, took a year or two off cause he beat the shit out of cancer and, uh, came back. Uh, he might have, uh, maybe, you know, been closer to some of Wayne Gretzky's records. So anyway, um, that's about the only guy on the, on the penguins that I enjoy watching play, you know, Sidney Crosby can go screw himself. I hate that dude. So anyway, <laughs> we beat the we beat the penguins. Uh, we went two to one. That was awesome. Feeling great. And we were totally pumped. Um, for the Islanders game uh, on Saturday. And then we get the, the word on Friday that they had postponed the game because of that giant ass storm that was as big as our country um, coming in to drop tons of snow uh, on the East coast. So no Isles game on Saturday. That is that I know we're playing the Isles uh, next week or this week. No, actually. We're playing on this week. Yeah. It's on Tuesday. They're doing, they're doing back to back now. So, so this is podcast is makeup or is it, it's, it's the different. makeup game. Okay, yeah, it's the makeup game. game. Okay, yeah, cool. so it's uh, all yeah. right. It's Tuesday, uh, Boston, and then Wednesday now uh, at the Islanders. That's that's what the schedule is yeah. looking like before the All Star break. Well, the Islanders kind of suck, so that, at least that's good. Boston's pretty pretty solid team. They've had, I think they've had a rough rough go um, as of late, Boston. But anyway, so we'll get back to that. So no Islanders, but we play the Rangers on Sunday. 
Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden. You were you fired up about this game because you just were at Madison Square Garden? Yeah, I was incredibly fired up about it. Um, you know, if you haven't listened to the last podcast episode, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, just because I I was there a week ago and was able to experience what that uh, you know what what that in game experience is like, and I had a fucking blast. And uh, <sighs> I don't know, man. I have a lot of I have mixed emotions about this game, and I know the team does and Hackstall does as well. I was able to pull some quotes from it. We can get to that in a second here. Um, what a game! I mean, it honestly it started off, and I really liked the energy. Uh, from the Kraken, even though at one point, you know, they're down, you know, two to nothing and it's two to nothing. They're on the road. They're cross country. They're playing one of the best teams in the league. And I'm, you know, I'm getting a little nervous and they just found a way to get their shit together and to kind of scratch and claw their way back in. So uh, I, I made a note of it that there was a, a beautiful tic-tac-toe between Johansson, Eberly, and McCann. And of course, uh, McCann gets that goal. It was his 18th on the season, which is now a team best because um, I'm convinced that Eberly is literally being haunted by Brandon Tanev's ghost because that guy cannot fucking buy a goal at this point. I'm not sure what's going on. And then, you know, uh, with a little bit uh, uh, over a minute left in the third period, uh, Gord has a beautiful snipe shot. <laughs> and it's a snipe shot finally on great. a power play that we also had pulled Grubauer. And for the first time all season, pulling the goalie worked and in crack and shit form. I mean, to the T 30 seconds later when the oh, game was tied God. two to two, when there's still like what a little over 30 seconds left in the game, the crack and give up a goal off of a face off and end up losing the game three to two. And this is where the controversy comes into play, which is what I figured we would end up talking about. All right. So I want one note I want to say is uh, Mika Zabinijad, who is the, the one of the centers for the Rangers. Yeah. He, he had goals and he had a point. He, he uh, was a integral part of every single one of their goals. So like that guy dominated us, you know, he just, he was just on another level. So I think that's part of it, but yeah, let's, let's talk about that, that goal with 30 seconds left. I watched the replay a bunch of times and, you know, hockey, hockey people are hockey people for a reason. I I would say that the non-interference call, if you watch it one time, you can go, well, yeah, he kind of, he did, he did kind of run into him, but he knocked him on his ass. He knocked him to the, to the ice. Yeah. I feel like like you and I are going to have different opinions on this. No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, Basically what we're talking about here is this is, yeah. Uh, so first of all, and we'll talk more about faceoffs in a little bit. Is the so it's deep in the Kraken zone. There's 30 mm-hmm. seconds left. It's a two-two game. They lose the faceoff, which sucks. Uh, goes back to the point, right? So it goes back to the 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 Rangers defenseman, and they put it on net, and um, the 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 shot goes in. Right now, here's here's the thing: is if you watch the play off the faceoff, Riley Shahan, he he it comes off the face off and tries to go to uh, uh, back to the point to cover the shot. Mm-hmm. But Chris Kreider, he basically got in the way. Right. And I'm not explaining it too well, but if you look, if you watch it, it kind of looks in the like chest and knocked him on his ass while he was skating out to try and defend the guy who ended up shooting and scoring the winning goal of the game. I, I would say that I watched it like 10 times in the first five. I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know. And then I started thinking about what Dave Haxtell said. And just the context of it, 
the last five, I'm going like, yeah, he's just really good at a dirty play. So I am going to side with you because it sounds to me like we're on the same page. Is that right? Is that we both agree that that should have been called, right? I do think it should have been called, but here's a couple of points I wanted to make about it. Should it have been interference? I believe so. If I'm, if I have been watching hockey for all of four months now and I can see it, I don't know how, I don't know how the refs don't call it. I was at first, I was legitimately surprised by that. With that being said, in that moment, you saw like the entire Kraken bench was reacting to it. And also the players were reacting to that instead of just continuing to play. Now, would that have made a difference? Would they have been able to stop the goal? We don't know. But it looked like for a brief split second, which is honestly, that's all it takes, is that that's kind of what the team was focusing on versus focusing on the play. And if you're playing a really good team on the road, which they were, and you're looking at a ref to kind of make the right call instead of just hoping that they do, but continuing to play, I think you're getting fucked. I mean, I, I think it's going to end up bad regardless. Does that make sense? Oh, it totally like, makes in that, sense. In that, in that split second, I think, I don't know. I think they did themselves a disservice by being upset in the moment, understandably so, but even the split second reaction, that might've been all it took for him to score the goal. I mean, that was all it took because, um, you know, Miller puts it in the back of the net and Shahan's, you know, laying on the ice, looking up at the ref, looking like, what the fuck just happened? Like, this guy just knocked me on my ass. How are you not calling interference? So I don't know. Right. Tough. Well, after the game, when asked about it, Hack in the press conference says, I'm going to stay away. I'm not going to waste time on that play or how I feel about it. I think that would take away from the spotlight of how well I think our team played and how hard our team played today. And I, I think I, I, I agree with them. I mean, that is some bullshit. They know it. Uh, everybody kind of knew it. Two things. One, I'm going to go watch it again because grew. I mean, it was kind of a soft goal, but could he just not mm -hmm. see? Was he distracted by the no call? interference and and did he was he watching that go down i mean it was it was kind of a weak goal it wasn't it wasn't great so i really want to see how grew reacted to that and the other thing that i'm wondering about too it is a regular season game but i i mean this is this is part of the context of hockey is referees like in overtime and in um close games tight games like especially in the playoffs they they you know they hide their whistles they sit on their whistles they don't they're not they don't want to be calling a penalty that's going to decide the game. So, you know, in that second uh, of it happening, I could see the ref seeing it and go like, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to call that. It's there's 30 seconds left in the game. And then, you know, a second later it goes in the puck goes in the net. So I think there's a couple of different things there. It should have been called. I agree. I think it was something that definitely was a bunch of BS, but you know, it's just it's just one of those things. I think, but Haxel's right. Is like the effort was pretty solid. Although um, the Rangers are just really good offensively. I mean, getting out shot forty two to twenty four. That's that's pretty rough. So I'm not super happy with that. But as far as the effort, you know, what I really like about the last you know six seven eight games is the way the Kraken are scoring goals. It looks like they have an offense. You know, it looks like they have all the parts of a hockey team that they need to be a hockey team. Goaltending has been better than it has been bad. 
defense is starting to get edgy and and they're starting to you know be pretty decent then we have some cracking shit happen but on offense you've got the guys who are supposed to be scoring scoring goals for the most part and they're also scoring great goals by making plays that tic-tac-toe in that game uh against the rangers i mean i watched that a couple times on replay that's just a sweet goal the way that that worked so i really like where the kraken are going um, we've got a pretty rough stretch coming up because we got to play a bunch of good teams. But I think that, you know, we're talking about each of these games, breaking it down, saying what could have been, what could have happened, and not like, oh, shit, they showed up hungover, you know? I agree. I am now going to say something that if I were working for or in the NHL, I would get uh, fined for, which is, I think, also a big reason why Hackstall didn't say anything. Um, and I also will note that Gord's comments were not were not particularly happy after the game as well because he didn't believe that the score reflected the team play, and I agree. What I will say is, I believe, and this is like some conspiracy theory shit here, I believe that that goal, or sorry, that that interference is not called on purpose. And the reason why I say that is, if you watch the Rangers, their last game prior to playing the Kraken, they had a big game. Uh, they're retiring, uh, retiring a number at home hmm. against Minnesota Wild. They are down 3-2, and they score what they believe to be the equalizer with one second left in that game. And that goal was overturned, and it was a huge controversy. So that goal was overturned because they said there was interference, that the goalies' pads were, like, pushed. And so they took away the goal. The Rangers ended up losing that game in a heartbreaker. The very wow. next game that they play at Madison Square Garden is against the Kraken. You cannot tell me that, that, that those refs in that particular moment do not have that in the back of their minds when they are calling that game. Like, can you imagine if after that faceoff, the puck gets kicked out, Miller is, is going to you know, set up the shot like he was, and Shane's going out there, and then he gets knocked on his, on his ass how the crowd would have reacted if they would have had an interference call with 30 seconds left and the goal doesn't count. I mean, can you have imagine what Madison Square Garden would have done? I firmly believe that those refs had that scenario in their mind because of the last game, and that is why that interference call uh, just wasn't called. Mark the date. We're recording this podcast Monday, January 31st, 9.16 p.m. Central Standard Time. Joey Cirillo has watched so much hockey in the past four months <laughs> and has become a hockey savant so intensely. He now has strung together multi-game conspiracy theories yeah, leading, to, like leading to defending the Kraken. <laughs> you, my friend, bleed Kraken sea blue. That is amazing. Wow. I mean, that's and what I, I firmly believe. And honestly, no one can convince me otherwise. I just no. don't see how those refs in that moment do not have how the previous game were like in that scenario in their mind. If I'm them, you know what I'm doing? I'm swallowing my whistle as well. Did you did you like look up the, the refs like address or anything? Or I'm I starting to get a little nervous. Okay, good. I wrote right. my Whew. senator. No. <laughs> a nicely worded letter. Uh, no, man, it's just, uh, I just, I'm sorry. I don't believe that those two games happening back to back at Madison square garden for the Rangers. I don't think it's a coincidence that that wasn't called. And it's unfortunate they were playing the, that they were playing the Kraken. Yeah. I, 
That's that's phenomenal work. Wow. You you have won this week's episode. I'm doing a curtsy you, right now. No you are on a roll. That that was phenomenal. Well, <laughs> even with all that great investigative work, we uh, lose that game three to two. It's in the books. And uh, by the way, Henrik Lundqvist uh, being re- you know getting his his uh, his number retired in in New York. Holy! First of all, that ceremony went on for like an hour. <laughs> that was nuts. But it, he's the king. He is he's definitely the king of New York. And uh, you know, props to him. He's a great mm-hmm. class act. Uh, goaltender so that was kind of cool to see the the night before so um anyway so coming up uh for the seattle kraken we've we got to pack in some games um we have to play the islanders again right so we're gonna play the islanders this week yep okay so that'll be wednesday Wednesday. the bruins after after boston yep tonight uh which will you know because the the show is released on tuesday so that's tonight uh the boston bruins um i have not paid attention to the bruins lately uh i've been kind of uh you know Besides watching the Kraken, um, I haven't been watching any Red Wings games, just Kraken games, and then NFL. So that that's pretty much it. So I don't know what's up with, with the Boston Bruins. Yeah, so they are they currently sit fourth in the Atlantic. They are 25, 14, and three on the season. And you know, kind of what I've been doing is just writing down some stats that stick out to me when I'm kind of doing a side-by-side comparison of them uh versus the Kraken. They average almost seven shots per net on uh, per net per game more than the Kraken. Uh, they average 35.2. The Kraken are at 28.3. They are currently six in the NHL in their power play. They're at 25.4%. They have 32 power play goals in the season. Uh, the Kraken have 21. That's like a 25% compared to like right under 17%. Um, and, and the player for me, and this is, you know, probably a no brainer for people that have been watching hockey for a very long time. But for me as a new as a new hockey fan, I like to write down, um, you know, opposing players that I want to keep an eye on. And that for me is Brad Marchand and Marshawn, Marshawn, Marshawn. See, this is why I'm, I'm a fucking noob. That's so the only thing Brad, you don't get, Brad but Marchand. like, yeah. dude, I don't, there's so, there's so many players that I can't pronounce their names. So don't feel bad. Listen, about that. We can edit this out and make no. me sound real smart and we leave everything in. So sure. anyways, Brad sure. Marchand, you, uh, he, you sound smart. <laughs> you're already smart. <laughs> so he was uh he's been he's been with Boston his entire career. He was drafted by them uh in the third round in 2006. Uh he is currently tied 13th in the league with goals at 21 and he is 12th in the league at points uh with 47. So, you know, top 15 player in the league and uh a lifelong player for the Bruins. So I'm excited to see him play and uh I I don't know. I hope this is a game the Kraken can steal. I'm curious to see how the Kraken come out for this game, especially because of what just happened uh, you know, in New York with the referee conspiracy. That wasn't really a conspiracy because it's uh, you know, right in front of our eyes. So I'm I'm curious to see how the team rallies and uh and come out playing against Boston because it, every time we think that the team is going to, you know, come out and show a lot of energy and like, you know, be pissed off and and uh, and want to be competitive on the ice, they come out flat. And then the games that we're like, I don't know, it's not looking good for the Kraken, they surprise us. So I have no idea what to expect, but I will be curious to see how Haxtell is able to kind of, you know, rejuvenate the team and get them going to fa- to face a, a good team. Well, I, I, another thing to know about Brad Marchand, and you you nailed it Marchand. on the analysis. Yeah, Brad Marchand is um, 
He is also known as the little ball of hate. We talked about him what? in the last podcast episode because, well, he's he also is taking like, follow him on Twitter and on social media because he's taking on the entire NHL. Like he uh, had that controversy, not controversy, I guess it was, but he was like going back and forth with the whole, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes on Twitter. He's not he is on the ice. He is not afraid to um, come at you. He is not afraid to come at you off the ice. He uh, just says it like it is, like literally just says it like it is in the media. And he backs it up because the dude is really, really good. So it's going to be a good game. I'm excited to see the (laughs) I'm getting kind of tired of saying this, too. The first ever game in Boston for the Seattle (laughs) Kraken. It's cool. I mean, I mean, look, I'm going to be frank. The whole thing's kind of lost its luster. I just want to see a Kraken win. But, um, you know, the Bruins could be tough. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of some Kraken shit. I and I don't even want to say this. I don't want to put it. I do not want to put this out in the universe, but like we beat the Bruins and then lose to the Islanders. Oh yeah. That could be, that could be some ultimate cracking shit. And for the record, like for the last podcast episode, we covered the matchup versus the Islanders. They're not a good team and the statistic, and it's not in front of me, but what sticks out to me is they are literally the worst team. They are 32nd in the NHL in goal scoring, but they are the number one team in uh in uh, giving up goals so they're a real uh you know defensive minded team that does not score often and it is a team that the kraken can absolutely beat but you just put out you just put out the juju out there so i did yeah. i did and then and then after that game we got to take our break for the uh, nhl all-star weekend which yeah. um which we can totally detail i do want to talk uh before we get into the talk about the all-star game um, I do want to talk about a couple of things. One is the trade deadlines coming up in March. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Linda Cohn uh, yes. earlier in the podcast, and she tweeted on the 26th, which was uh, what Friday or something like five that. Days ago. Ago. Yeah. Five days ago. And she said that she talked to Seattle Kraken GM Ron Francis yesterday about his approach to trading deadline. He told me he's listening to offers about, everybody that's in all caps as he continues to assess who should be with the team long-term and what is best for team moving forward. And this is from an article that is a New York Rangers uh, themed article. And they're looking at three players that they could, you know, totally benefit from having. And we already talked about the prospects of who's the most sought after mm. um, tradable player on the Kraken. And then this is exactly who we talked about. Mark Giordano. Um, Cause we you know, we don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, Marcus Johansson and Carson Susie, who's been pretty solid as of late, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's young, got a lot of upside. So we do have to say that, look, um, you know, we're getting into February. We're still, you know, six weeks away from the trade deadline. I think it's in towards the end of March, but uh, something's going to happen. And we got to trust in Ronnie. We have to trust in Ron Francis that we're going to, we might lose somebody that we really love, but you know, it's for the best uh, of the team. And it's not like we're looking at a playoff run or anything. So I'm just kind of preparing myself for that. And I think you should too, as a Kraken fan. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's taking the, uh, the Jerry DePoto approach. So Jeff, if you don't know who that is, that's the, that that is the GM for the Seattle Mariners, and that he is notorious for having anybody and everybody um, available to swap at a moment's notice. So, um, mm. you know, all all jokes aside, though, nothing about that tweet or her conversation with uh, with him makes me surprised at all. This is what we talked about previously 
about where the Kraken are as a team. Of course, they are going to explore all of their options. They also want to see how certain players, you know, would pan out so they can start to develop the future based off the off of the expansion draft. The best surprise so far, it's not even close at this point anymore, is Jerry McCann. I mean, it really is like Canner has emerged as, you know, the the shining star, somebody that's rejuvenated his hockey career. And every time he scores a goal, it's great. But guess what? That just uh, breaks the bank of the Seattle Kraken that much more because they're going to have to extend him. And I'm very excited for that day. Yeah, I'm, I, I want to see that. And I love it. You know, again, uh, we called him out on the podcast like uh, a, a month ago. We got to get these these top guys scoring and and mm-hmm. uh, Canner is scoring. So I love it. So we are taking a break. And if you are uh, new to hockey, uh, this is going to be your first ever NHL All-Star Game experience to watch. It's in Las Vegas, which is fantastic. Um, and there's a lot going on. As we, we broke it down in the last episode of all the things that are happening. And, and I, I obviously have not watched an All-Star Game closely in the past couple of years because I was completely wrong about the format and everything that's going on. Um, skills on Friday night. And then you've got the game uh, on Saturday. But there's like tons of other stuff going on. J- Joey's found more stuff. There's something involving boats uh, and <laughs> face-offs or something like that. Like What's going on with the NHL All-Star Game this weekend? Yeah, so it's taking place in Las Vegas, and there was some quotes from the chief content officer uh, of the NHL, Steve Mayer, from The Athletic. So there are two specific events that are happening uh, in Las Vegas. One, like you mentioned, um, boats. It's called the Fountain Face-Off. So it's going to feature players taking boats to platforms in front of the fountain at the Bellagio and shooting pucks into five targets in the least amount of time. And his quote was, from above, it's going to look like a real rink. All the face-off circles in those structures will be stages, essentially. The water in the Bellagio fountains, you have to think of the water as the ice. So from above, you're going to be looking at an ice rink, but every time your puck misses the target, it's going to go in the water. There's always there's also going to be a game uh, played on the actual strip called NHL 21 and 22, which essentially is just going to be uh, hockey players playing blackjack. So they're going to be shooting pucks at like oversized playing cards with numbers on them uh, to equal up to 21. So that's the whole 21 and 22. And what's really cool, and I briefly mentioned this to you uh, before we started recording. So I obviously never watched this because I am brand new to hockey, but for the bringing it back, from 2016, which is the last time they have done this, done this, the NHL is bringing back the breakaway challenge, and they're also going to have like special guests, you know, celebrity uh, shooters and goalies. So, were you a fan of the breakaway challenge during All Star Weekend? Is that something that you look forward to? I think so. I think because I think they, I think they're judged on their technique. Okay. I think I think if I remember, I could be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was more of like a holy smokes, check out that awesome you know move, and they would get a score, and part of that score would be based on whether or not they actually scored a goal, which is pretty cool. So I'm all for like the new experience. I mean, I'm excited to see it. Um, what's what's kind of cool too is I forget is this is something we should talk about is there are there are famous fans. Uh, in the NHL, celebrity fans, I should say, uh, who who are really into uh, hockey and who play hockey too. And I'm excited to see because and get reminded of who some of these people are. Like I know like uh, John Hamm uh, from Mad Men, 
he is a huge St. Louis Blues fan, and I think he just became a St. Louis Blues fan like a, a few years back. I don't know if he's from St. Louis or not, um, but like you know, and some of these are older uh, actors and actresses that I don't know what they're doing anymore. But like Cuba Gooding Jr. is a huge uh, hockey fan. Um, who else is a huge? Michael J. Fox. Uh, I think he played hockey, and obviously, you know, he's got. Um, Oh gosh, what is uh, Parkinson's? Yeah, he's got Parkinson's, and I don't know, I don't know what his physical state is, but I know that like Michael J. Fox is a huge uh, NHL hockey fan. So it'll be neat to see, you know, and I hope it'd be cool to see celebrity, um, celebrity shooters. Now, you know, one thing that I'm thinking of is, and maybe this is happening, is there's a couple of there's a, and they should totally do this. I would like to see this. Is you know, I'm kind of you know big and I, I love watching TikTok. And there are some um, TikTokers and social media people who are awesome, like trick shot artists. They're not NHL mm. players, but they're really, really good hockey players uh, doing crazy shit. And it would be really neat to see some of these cats come out because I've always wondered, is like, okay, cool, wow, look, oh my god, look at this thing that the kid's doing. Like, could he actually do that against an NHL player? Could he totally, you know, freak out an NHL player? So, you know, part of this, and I'm just thinking on the fly here, is I would like to see some of that. Like, bring in some of those guys to see what they have uh, with uh, NHL caliber players. Like, I've always wondered that. It's kind of neat about sports. Is like you always, you know, you always kind of challenge things. Like, I don't know, you know, I know you're a football fan, but you, you know, you would think like, could you know, think back to like a super team, like. Not anymore, thank God. But like you know, Alabama football could they play against the Jacksonville Jaguars? Like could they? You know, no, I no that they couldn't. But it's a nice, fun thing to debate. So it would be kind of neat to see, you know, non-professionals, amateurs who are really amazing, uh, play against NHL caliber players, and also to again like actual celebrities. I'm I'm sure there's some musicians in there, that sort of thing. Um, it's always interesting to see who is into that. So that'd be, that'll be cool. I hope they, I hope they do have like a celebrity aspect to that. I would, and I'm pretty sure they do have it. I don't know when they have it, but like, it would be cool to watch, um, a celebrity game, which I think they have had before. Um, Dennis Leary, then I love Dennis Leary. He's a, he's a huge hockey fan, huge, huge hockey fan. We need to get like, we need to get some refresh. We need to hit refresh on the celebrities that are into hockey. Like it can't be people who are cool in 2001. Like we got to really update the game and start getting people uh, like celebrities more involved. And now my mind, the entire time you were saying that my mind was racing. I'm like, who would the famous celebrity for the Seattle Kraken be? And then I was like, I hope it's not divorced Bill Gates because that would get weird. And then I was like, Macklemore, I'm going to have to pass on that. Like, <laughs> who the fuck? I'm, I'm, he, trying, to think, I'm trying to think. Is he of actually who into he hockey? I mean, I know he's, you know, big Seattle guy, but is he into hockey? I don't know. Um, it could be like Chris Pratt. Like, that would be acceptable. I don't know. He's a big, uh, he's, he's a big satellite sports fan. I don't know. It's yeah. probably going to be something fucking lame, like the CFO from Amazon. No one's going to know who it is. Just like a billionaire rich dude just showing up. <laughs> well, I'm trying to. Uh, what? Who was I just thinking? Of? I was thinking about another celebrity, like you know Justin Bieber. I know, I know for a fact <laughs> Justin, Justin Bieber is. And then you know, obviously, you know, since we're, we've we've hung out and we're tight, like yeah, I'm tight. totally. I'm totally and Michael Bublé. Everyone knows that you Biebs and Bublé. Yeah, yep. Bublé would be cool. Um, Nashville. I think Nashville's got some legit. Um, Vince Gill. You know who Vince Gill is? Of course, we're talking about old ass people now. Vince Gill is a country singer uh, and songwriter. 
Um, he loves the the Predators. Uh, Carrie Underwood loves the Predators. Okay, too. she right. is married. She is married to Mike Fisher. Is she still married to Mike Fisher, who's a uh, former name former, does not ring a bell. Nope. Former uh, very lucky man, and uh, but he's also a <laughs> former uh, Predator. So she's so into hockey, she. Like, like he's player. a former predator, like he spent time in jail because he is a pervert, or he played for the team. No, fish fish was played for the Nashville Predators. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I legitimately didn't know. I was like, you said that so casually. I'm like, Jeff, if he's a predator, we need to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. No, he is not a predator. No, he is not a predator. So it would be interesting <laughs> to see. <more> predator. <laughs> I actually just found I just found an, an article of famous people who are into uh teams. And it's going team by team. It's, it's from before the Kraken existed. Is it anybody but, relevant? Is it anybody that now people are like, oh, that's cool? Or is it like the guy who tells people that he was a former predator? Uh, uh, it was, uh, it's like, you know, like the, the Golden Knights have got a whole bunch of like, you know, like Little John, uh, Wayne Newton, Gordon Ramsay. Like, I don't think they're actually okay. hockey. I don't I think they're actually hockey fans. Ramsey. I can I can respect that. I love Gordon Ramsay. He's awesome, but I don't is he really a hockey fan? No, um, he just has a bunch of restaurants in Vegas and gets bored and they gave him sweet tickets. That's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> he might even have a restaurant in the stadium for all we know. Well, we'll see what happens with the with these celebrity players. It would be cool to see. Um yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, I hope they have like legit cool. How about this? How about this for Dark Horse? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I would put a um a prop, I would a prop bet. Kodak Black. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. He in oh his surprise God. return to yes. an <laughs> NHL game. Let's welcome back Mr. Kodak attack from the back. Black. <laughs> oh, where is he? He's wait. He's not coming through the tunnel. He's not on the ice. Wait, where is he? He's in the suite. Oh, look up there. Oh, he's doing the look maw, no hands, low hands dance. Oh and he's my just, God. He's just pounding away at that foam, uh, yeah. uh golden night shark. I just for whoever like the caterer is, it has to bring in like his dessert tray. Like you might don't want, like you gotta be careful around Kodak black. Like everyone's getting it. Like it <laughs> doesn't like, matter your gender. doesn't matter what you bring it in. Yeah. It's like Kodak black's got that's like mystique about him. Just like Prince, you know, like, Oh man, sure. Whatever. I don't <laughs> is know what that is. Yeah. Yes. No <laughs> idea. Kind of forceful to be honest. With uh, you. <laughs> well, the also also is going to be pretty cool. I'm actually, and I just realized too, is like, we, we don't have a lot going on this weekend. So like I, I actually be able to, uh, check it out and watch it so the skills the skills competition will be cool to watch so we'll have to do some live tweeting of that which will be fun absolutely man i'm very excited to check it out so yeah it'll be a really good time and it'll be my first my first you know nhl all-star weekend you know participation and watching and i'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this and a lot of kraken fans this will be their first experience as well i'm really looking forward to the skills challenge because being able to put those particular skills, I feel like I'm just quoting taken now, um, but those particular skills, good luck um, into like into context, I think is really is going to be really important for me to continue to better understand the game. And also like just from like an NBA standpoint, like they do, you know, something similar. They have their skills competition. I love watching the NBA. That's always a blast for me, too. So, yeah, man, I'm really excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. It will be a lot of fun. And you get to see players that maybe you haven't seen um before and, and maybe you'll like you know be like oh man i gotta check that guy out because it's it's neat to see him and and also too there's there's this you know great personalities in the game that we don't get to hear enough of so um you know it'd be neat to see so 
there's so much going on right now. Totally excited about that. Also, too, man, I am uh, absolutely fired up, too, for uh, the big game coming up in a couple of weeks after watching football all weekend. Yes. I totally I totally called it, by the way, before the game. I, I just knew. You I knew the Bengals. I knew the Bengals were going to win. They, I knew it. I knew they were going to win that game, and they did it, which was which was phenomenal, man. I, I'm I, I'm so excited. Uh, although my mom, uh, she's you know she's she's texting me. She's like, "Oh, I'm so happy, Matthew Stafford's going to the Super Bowl. That's going to be so cool." I can't, you know, she's in Detroit and she's a Lions fan, and you know we grew up Lions fans. She's like, oh, "I'm hope he wins the," and I fucking hate the Rams. Um, <laughs> They're and so I'm, despicable. I mean, it's literally like the Rams versus the world. Listen, team, I'm Big Dick Joe, baby, all day. <laughs> Joe Burrow, that's my guy. I'm, I I tweeted this out earlier today. I am buying the Big Dick Joe hat. I will be wearing it out in public. I'm sure no one wants it. Is it trademarked? Can we sell that? Can we? I'm pretty we... sure he trademarked it because he was wearing that hat in college. Like, he has fully yeah. embraced yeah, he should. Uh, the Big Dick Joe nickname. I mean, that's just who he is. Joe Burrow's the man. We've accepted that. Well, I lived in Cincinnati for like six years. Um, you know, I, I've been, you know, I, I'm not going to say like I'm a diehard Bengals fan, but I always have rooted for the Bengals since I lived there. Um, and I'm definitely not jumping on the bandwagon and be like, we won the Super Bowl. You know, like I'm I'm definitely uh, a Saints fan and, you know, and, and I would say, you know, a Lions fan, but I just know there's like no freaking hope there ever. And I get so angry every time I talk. I've talked about the lines like six times in this episode. I get so pissed off every time I think about the line. <laughs> and and then the Bengals, like I've always kind of followed them. So like I'm I'm genuinely happy. I have friends in Cincinnati. One of my one of my buddies, he was in my wedding. He's like the ESPN anchor. He's gonna go to the Super Bowl. Uh, he's the radio host there in in um, Cincinnati. So like, how much chili people- do they eat? I mean, is that a real thing? Do they really put chili on everything in Cincinnati? I need to ask you this question because I feel like you would know. Oh, have you had Cincinnati chili before? No, I've never been to Cincinnati. So uh, let's stop for a second. I was going to talk, try to talk about DraftKings here, but uh, let's talk about this for a second because like... I need to know this. The world needs to know. You can, you can, I can, they probably sell Skyline Chili at grocery stores here. Uh, fuck that. If I ever have Skyline Chili, I'm going to have it in Cincinnati. I'm going to go one day. I'm going to make it a point to go there, but I need to know, do they really put chili everywhere? And also, why is it Skyline Chili? Well, so it's called Cincinnati Chili. Skyline is like the, it's like... There's there's two huge there's two huge uh, brands there that are the uh, like McDonald's and Burger King of Cincinnati chili. Cincinnati chili is like the style. Right. And you've got Gold Star chili and Skyline chili. Gold Star does not get any national pub if they talk about Cincinnati chili. They're usually going to Skyline. Skyline is pretty well known, but they're both big chains. And okay. they're kind of like they're like fast food, but they but they they work. And now here's the other thing that's kind of cool is every little neighborhood in Cincinnati has its own chili place. So, for example, like Starbucks in Seattle. Uh, so th- tell me about that. Is it, is it the same way? Is like uh, they have a special little but they have it's a Starbucks brand branded store, right? Yeah, I was just referring to the fact that like literally on every corner of every street in Seattle, you will find a Starbucks location. I mean, it's the headquarters, man. It's kind yeah, of so expected. That, but yeah, it's legit. very different from going to Cincinnati and find like a local chili spot on every so street. It's like, you know, you'll have Skyline, you know, uh, and then a half mile away, you'll have Gold Star and then a half mile from, away from that, you have the uh, little neighborhood, you know, Blue Ash Chili. There's a place called a neighborhood called Blue Ash. So Blue, Blue Ash Chili. And then 
repeat that for every neighborhood and borough, whatever you want to say, um, across the city. And it is a thing. And it is very polarizing for people who haven't been to Cincinnati or grown up in Cincinnati. I love it. I love it. It's delicious because number one, um, and there's lots, I got a lot to unpack here. I actually, um, I actually didn't make the episode, but I was at a filming of diners, drive-ins and dives. And I met and hung out with Guy Fieri. What? By by the way, it's fucking Fieri. It's not Fieri. No, it's it's Fieri. Fieri. If we're going to okay. talk about Guy, and listen, I'm a big Guy Fietti fan. You need to enunciate his last name properly. It's Guy Fietti. There's only I, one I, person in the world who can wear the bowling ball, the bowling shirt with the flames on it, and it's Guy Fietti. Period. So, with chain with the chain ball necklace. I need to find this audio because this is from. So we, you know, I was a morning show host in Cincinnati um, for like six years, and we were on a big radio station. So like we, you know, my buddy Tim and I, and he actually, my, my buddy Tim. He is he is now on the back on the radio in Cincinnati. He's a co-host of what was our competition. Um, oh shit! Ironically, stabbed yeah, but back. but actually, Skyline Chili, and you're just you <laughs> no, peaked, Jeff. You peaked. No, just, I wanted to quit the fucking radio <laughs> game, and uh, but he kept. And actually, what's funny is before we left Cincinnati, to, nobody cares about this, but we we were actually in talks with the competition to come join their uh, morning show before mm-hmm. we went. We went in a different direction. So I, I almost joined them as well. And by the way, that name of that show is called Jeff and Jen. Um, and it's a, so it would have been like two Jeffs and a Tim and a Jen. And then it's a lot of J's. Now, now of J's. it's Joey. This is weird. It's all coming back full it is, circle. It is Joey. So anyway, uh, we were um, radio hosts there. And we, I don't remember how it, oh, I think that the owners of Blue Ash Chili, they invited us because we had highlighted their place before, because we did kind of like a Guy Fieta th- Fieti thing with audio. Um, we would go all over the city and do fun stuff, and we would record all of it. And that's what a lot of our show was. Um, and it was fun. And they invited us to come sit in. So we're like, hell yeah, that's cool. So what sucked is like we were there for half a day um, f- watching them film, and we had to leave to go do other radio shit that we like had to go do, which sucked. So we missed the filming part where they went around and asked all the people, like, what do you think of this place? So we that's why we missed it. But before we left, we got to go interview Guy Fieri, like in the back room. And we talked to him on our on our microphone and recorded stuff and then uh, shut it off. And he proceeded to talk to us for like another 20 minutes without the mics what? on. And he dude, like I know like he's had ups and downs with like people making fun of him and stuff like that. And I think like people really like him again now. He's only um, had ups in my eyes. I'm just saying, it seems like a well, great dude. I, I, I love him and I've seen him unfairly made fun of. Mm. He is, you know, I've met a, I've met a decent amount of like famous people. He is the most genuine dude I've ever met. That's like famous. Like I remember I told you about hanging with Michael Buble. It's like, it's yeah, like he, he went out to a bar afterwards. You guys like drank together and Guy Fieri tops that. I would say, I would say Buble is one. Uh, Fieri is like, I don't know if he's number two. He might be like one a because celebrity realness, one a one B he's like your Drieger yeah. to your Grubauer. I'll never, I'll never forget it. He like pulled it. He, we were talking and he's like, he's like, look guys, he's like you, if you, and I'll, I have a huge regret too. He, so he's like, 
he's telling he's giving us like words of advice like guys like look i'm just this guy who did this and did this and it's like if you just want to you guys got something going on in this city it seems like you can do whatever you want you just got to make it happen he's like giving us fucking advice i'm like getting chills thinking about it like the, it's, it is the coolest thing on the planet and here's one of my biggest regrets you quit, moved to new orleans jesus he, Jeff. <laughs> well a lot of shit happened it was time to radio. Died. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, fast forward to seven years later and a lot of shit that we should have made happen didn't happen. So it's time to get the fuck out. So, so anyway, so he, so he, um, so he's like, Hey, by the way, if you're, if you ever are in like San Francisco, my neck of the woods, let me know, like come to one of my restaurants. I got some places out there, you know, like, and like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking in my head, like, I know, like, come on out. And I'm like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, let us, let me know. Like, let, let my pe my people know. Dude, I was so like floored by what happened. I forgot that I was fucking going to San Francisco in like three weeks for the first time ever. And Wait, I what? didn't. You had a trip. To, you like you could have brought it up in the moment and been like, oh, I actually have a trip coming up in three weeks. Screw talking to your people. Let's talk about it now. Like, let's it, let's let's link up while I'm out there. Thinking back to it, it might have been a few months, um, mm -hmm. but it was like. It, yeah i did I, I i blacked out i was so freaked out i was so like uh, loving it so much like i could have in the moment said like by the way in a few months my you know fiance and i are actually going to san francisco uh for the first time and he would have been like yeah yeah I'll hook you talk to cindy or whatever and like we could have gone to get hooked up and like i just i screwed that up but long story short cincinnati chili phenomenal uh i would eat it at one of those chain restaurants i would definitely eat it at blue ash chili Okay. It is pasta. It is spaghetti noodles. Do you know what it is? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen photos, and when I see photos, it literally looks like spaghetti noodles with meat sauce and beans on top. Mm -hmm. That's it. So okay. a three way, so a, a three way, a three way is the spaghetti noodles, the chili, which is meat chili, and then the cheese, mm -hmm. the mounds of cheese mounds of cheese and dude there is no better drunk food than cincinnati chili i was gonna say i'm pretty sure i made that in new orleans more than a handful of times not even knowing that i was replicating cincinnati chili now i have to ask you if burrow went to go down a path of entrepreneurship if he creates burrow beans for example it's a smart idea or a dumb idea dumb idea because not everybody does that's a four-way a four-way four is like beans. yeah yeah is the beans and now five-way that's if you're feeling really intense is onions oh I'm pretty, shit. so I like, like the onions okay mm, so the onions are yeah onions are pretty so i think that's i think that's correct i'm pretty sure beans are the four and the onions are the five uh but i could be wrong but no you don't want to really you don't want to do burrows you know he's already putting his stamp on uh, the city of cincinnati but so jamar chase then he should make his nickname be chili he'd be like jamar chili chase and then do a bunch of chili stuff. Anyways, we're so far down the rabbit hole on this. Oh, it's, I know it's fun. <laughs> thank you to everyone who's listening. <laughs> no, yeah, thank you. It's this we're is leaving good. all this in. We have to. No, it's no. absolutely necessary. It's not going anywhere. If you again, if you this is like the bonus. <laughs> if you've made it this far in our podcast, God bless you. You're you are you a know, true. We did this on purpose because we got some yeah, tweets today, fantastic. and thank you very much. They are very nice from individuals saying. I can't catch up on your podcast. I've already listened to all of them. And the issue I have is that when I listen to it, as soon as, as soon as it comes out, I have to wait a week for, you know, the next episode. Well, guess what? We just gave you 20 minutes of chili talk, sweet, <laughs> sweet chili talk all up in your ear. So, and I want to go to Cincinnati. 
I would. I'm I would, starving. Now. I haven't had dinner, by the way. I'm freaking hungry. No, no. Listen, I can't tell you how many times in my life I've had Cincinnati chili post ten o'clock at night. So it's okay. So good. I mean, honestly, um, most of the times I've eaten Cincinnati chili uh, has been uh, at it, when it's dark outside. Also, too, there's hot, you can uh, you can have a coney. Uh, so a, a coney dog in Cincinnati is oh, is chili crazy. and cheese and onions. Oh. And beans on top of a hot dog. Oh my so god! I, I want to shove that in and around my mouth right now. That's I can't so tell you good. how many. I used to live downtown, so I used to like walk to Reds games and Bengals games, and um, and I uh, uh would I drink beers and then slam Coney oh, Skyline Coney's, and it was like it was disgusting. What's the expected like life uh, average? Like fifty three. I mean, like everyone there is like, I don't give a fuck, man. I'm crushing chili and these dogs until the day I die. And I don't blame a single one of them. Very, very German, very German, which is pretty uh, phenomenal. But yeah, so so I've been to a lot of Bengals games, and a lot, a lot of skyline, a lot of beer. Fantastic. So long story short is, man, the I'm just so excited for for Cincinnati Bengals fans. I just I think they're gonna win um the super bowl and it's going to happen i think it's a team of destiny uh joe burrow and lsu north i tell you what man they're i think they're going to dominate i think they're going to beat the all-star team that is uh the la Rams. so we're thinking about football we're thinking about sports and yes the big game is a few weeks away counting down to super bowl 56 new customers of DraftKings sports book you'll get 56 to 1 odds on any team you pick all right uh, if you just bet five bucks on the game, 280 in free bets. If you're a new customer, you can experience the conf- uh, the champion. I'm sorry, you can experience the big game with same game same game parlays. You can do multiple bets. You can win big payouts. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Uh, also, too, I'm pretty sure now you can get DraftKings Sportsbook here in. L.A. Uh, I'm not sure in Louisiana. Are we close to that? I know. Oh, it's it's live. It's live in Louisiana. We are. I was fully betting on Sunday. I had I had money on the on uh, Chiefs Bengals. I don't want to talk about. So we're just going to move on. You took the Chiefs. I took Chiefs. <laughs> you should have called me. I, I don't bet with my heart. I bet. I bet. You know, I was gonna go with Big this Dick Joe. I saw him. My heart. I saw him show up to the game with like the all diamond, uh, the customized Nike swoosh, and like the the nineties. Uh, glasses that change whether in the sunlight or the shade and the big poofy jacket. And I said, Oh my God, is he in a puffy and mace video? I don't know what's happening. Do I take the Bengals now? And I still stuck to the chiefs and I regret it. Okay. And I actually had a nice little parlay going on and I lost the whole, it doesn't matter. All right. We're, we're moving on. seven points. You had seven. You didn't think that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, those are called transition lenses, by the way, uh, <laughs> okay. Transition lenses. So anyway, here's the deal with the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. Download it now. Use promo code THPN. That's the Hockey Podcast Network, which we are a proud part of, although they might kick us off after this episode. Uh, THPN. Uh, get 56 to 1 odds on the game. Bet 5 bucks, and you could win 280 in free bets if your team wins, right? So promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you got that gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You cannot call that line. 
uh, if you are a bad gambler like Joey, who should have totally picked. Cartier glasses, I won't even peek at you. That's what Bill <laughs> Burrow said after the game in his Instagram post. So what, what a freaking all-star, dude. <laughs> Jesus, that guy is he's amazing. He's Owning life. Anyway. All right, so it's time to get into what we like to call No Dumb Questions. As you can tell, this is a podcast that is not stats-driven. We are not stats geeks, although Joey's pretty damn close to it. Um, We are a podcast that is for people who may have just gotten into hockey. Um, You've gotten to love this Seattle Kraken team like we have, and now you're looking around going, "What's, what's, what's the game all about? Please do not sit there with idle thumbs. You need to tweet, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok when we check it, and let us know about the question that you need to have answered, and we will gladly look it up for you or just guess off the top of our head. We're here to help you navigate this game of hockey because we're building up our NHL and and Kraken fanship together. So with that, we like to answer these questions and invite you to uh, ask them in something we call No Dumb Questions. So, Joey, what is our No Dumb Question? question this week no dumb question question this week is from heather at heather nicole without the e on twitter so she actually submitted like a multifaceted question to us and i and it is around face-offs i know we have covered it before um in a previous episode but it certainly was cage john travolta movie oh i see what you did there i like that okay bad bad joke keep going That was a dad joke. That's right. Uh, Yeah. So her question is, again, multifaceted here. So what brings about a face-off and how is it determined what side of the ice they do it on? Also, are certain players, quote-unquote, face-off players, i.e., do they specialize in a face-off? And also, why do they tap out sometimes and a new player is brought in? So basically, she was like, face-offs? Question mark. Like, just... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Give me all the information on it. And I went down a damn rabbit hole because oh, this is this is a topic. And uh, the NHL has pages on pages in their rule book. It's actually rule number 54 in the NHL guide, if you want to check that out for yourself. And, uh, and yeah, Jeff, do you want to start taking a crack at it? Because you're a lifelong hockey fan. You can ex- explain it more just from someone who's you know, watch the game and understands it versus me. I'm like, well, let me dive into the rule book and two hours flies by. So to, to really sum it up in Jeff's dumbassery, uh, <laughs> just watching hockey is like all sports in all sports. There is a time where the ball or the puck or whatever it is that they play with has to be put into play because there's usually a stoppage of some sort and then you have to get the game going again. So how do you get the game going again? Well, in hockey, you do that with the face-off is it's a, it's like a scrum in rugby, um, you know, in soccer it's, it's a, uh, well, I guess in soccer, what, what the hell happens at the beginning of the game? I don't remember that. Anyway. So hey, you get what I'm saying there is the referee has to summon two players uh, who are going to take the face off from opposing team. And the idea is that the referee is dropping the puck down right on the face off dot or the, you know, in a certain spot to give each player a fair chance at getting the puck and getting it back to one of their teammates or doing something with it. So it is hockey's way of getting the puck back into play after there's a stoppage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, and, and like you just, again, teed it up there. So what causes it specifically is a referee blowing the whistle and stopping the play will cause a face-off in hockey. It is used to restart the game after play has been whistled and stopped by an official. 
the most common stoppages are a penalty committed by a player, offsides, icing, or a goal. And then also, you know, obviously you have the start of the game or the start of the period, and that's done at center ice. But there are nine different spots on the ice uh, where uh, a face-off can take place, and that's including center ice. Um, why players get swapped. So if one or both of the players taking the face off is not positioned properly uh, and or if the blades of the sticks are not resting on the ice, they have to be resting on the ice. Or if any player has illegally entered the face off circle, the referee will force the offending player to be swapped for another. Now, this is something that came up um, a couple of times, if you remember, in the game against the Rangers. There were a couple instances the crowd did not like it because it was against the Rangers where the ref made them made them swap out. Now I am starting to understand the face-off rules, but I wasn't keen enough to see it happen in real time. Were you able to point that out? Like when you're watching the game and the ref is tapping a guy to swap him out and the crowd's starting to get pissed off. Were you able to, to pick up on that? I, I knew why, but I couldn't see it happening in the moment. Like I'm not, I'm not that quick with it yet. Here's, here's the gist is the referee is, making sure that either player is not cheating yes. or trying, trying to get, you know, ahead of the other guy by pulling some shenanigans. And that's pretty yeah. much the gist of it is like, there's so much technique that goes into being good at face-offs and winning a face-off. And, you know, once the referee starts the motion of putting the puck into play, a lot of shit happens real fast. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, referees will, you, you'll watch them at, really pay attention in this in in the next cracking game watch the referee dropping the puck you know we're often watching like what's going on looking at the other guys you know who like the defenseman or any anything else going on you don't really watch faceoffs but pay attention it's kind of it is neat to watch and especially when it's a very crucial a very crucial faceoff like in a situation like the Rangers game when <sighs> you know, we lose the game in the last 30 seconds. That was a huge face off. Yeah. And that, you know, I know we we're talking about the whole non non call, but the fact that we lost the face off, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a big deal. You know, I'm, I guarantee Haxtell and I forgot who took the face off for the Kraken, but I I can guarantee Haxtell made some comment about losing that face off. Cause that's a face off. You got to win. So long story short is you get tossed out of the face off. If you're trying to do, cheating shit all right mm-hmm. if you get caught and you get caught doing it one of those things you just mentioned you're going to get swapped out you get pitchforked that's my favorite name for it is you get the you get the thumb yeah you get like hey you get you know the you, you know, the pitchfork gets put down and then you get tossed from the circle so that's that's the gist of of face-offs and yeah there's a million the, the one thing that i really don't know um all the rules for are the who can take a face off there's so many different things about like and it all kind of like leads into line changes yeah um you know there's you know when like the last the last play team that you know players that were on the ice versus uh when the whistle was blown and who's you know icing and there's a lot of little nuances there that honestly i don't know all the rules with that yeah and there's, there's lots of times where i'm just like you know, I, I don't know the rule here. I'm just I'm just watching the game. So well, it does it does happen really fast, and um, I can uh, attest to some of that only because I researched it earlier. And if anyone again is like genuinely curious and wants to teach themselves, look up Rule 54 
in the NHL rule book. And that will, uh, it specifically talks about face off there, face offs there. So, um, to quickly, I think reference what you were saying here. So, uh, conduct of any face off commences when the official designates the place of the face off. And more often than not, it's going to be the nearest face off spot. And I can also go over, um, some other instances where it's not going to be the nearest face off spot, but the referee will lower his hand to indicate no further changes. The linesman will conduct the face-off. Um, who is conducting the face-off will blow the whistle. So this will signal to both teams that the teams have no more than five seconds to line up for the face-off. So things happen really quick. Like literally within five seconds, the teams have to be ready for the ensuing face-off. At the end of five seconds or sooner, if the centers are ready, the linesman will conduct a proper face-off. However, if one or both centers... Sorry. Uh, the linesman will conduct a proper face-off. If, however, one or both centers are not positioned for the face-off, one or both centers refrain from placing their sticks on the ice. Again, the sticks have to be on the ice. Any player has encroached into the face-off circle. Now, I have seen this a lot, Jeff. I have seen um, the, the teammates encroaching in the circle. So they have to be outside the circle, which I also learned was 15 feet, which I thought was really interesting. But that is a way um, that a player... Um, can get pitchforked, like you mentioned, um, or any player is in an offside position. The linesman shall have the offending player replaced immediately prior to dropping the puck. And as far as the face-off locations go, all face-offs happen at one of nine face-off spots on the ice. That, again, includes center ice. So, you know, star of the game, star of the period, etc., uh, face-offs can happen on any face-off spot in the attacking zone, defensive zone, or neutral zone, which, of course, that is determined by the direction of play and who has the puck um, whenever the whenever the face-off is being called. Now, <clears throat> if a goal is scored, uh, center ice is where the face-off location is going to be. If a play is stopped because of an by an offensive player in the attacking zone, the face-off location will be at their neutral zone at the nearest face-off spot. If this scenario is a puck is hit out of bounds on the faceoff, it's the same spot. If a puck, um, if a puck is hit uh, out of bounds just in play, it's the closest spot. A player is injured, it's the closest spot. Icing is called. That's defensive team zone. An illegal hand pass is the nearest faceoff spot. So, that was a lot of information. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there will be a test after this podcast. Yeah, it will pop up amazing. on your favorite yeah. uh, podcast network. So be prepared. Listen, I've had a lot of caffeine and I haven't had dinner yet. So I'm like Joey's shaky hands right now. Like my eyes well, are busted. But no, long story short, sorry to inundate everybody with a ton of face-off shit. Long story short, um, you know, there's nine different spots on the ice. It depends on um, exactly what's going on, where the face-off is going to be held. The majority of the time, it's going to be the nearest face-off spot. There are obviously uh, other instances. Icing uh, is an example of one of those. Um, if you and if you want to read more about it, look up Rule Fifty Four in the NHL Handbook. But it, it starts to make more sense the more that you watch the game. So I'm looking at the Seattle Kraken faceoff stats, Ooh. and uh, it's pretty neat. I'm, I'm toggling between a couple different things. Who's taken the most faceoffs uh, for the Seattle Kraken? It's Alex Wenberg. It's Wenberg, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's usually like, um, you know, he's up there centering the top line. Uh, so he's taken a lot of faceoffs. He's played a lot, put a lot of time in. So he's taking a lot. So he's taken seven hundred and four faceoffs. There's a shit ton of faceoffs in the game. A lot. Yeah, there's a lot. So like, if you watch watch the next cracking game, count the faceoffs. Take a drink every time there's a faceoff. 
you're, you're going to be buckled. So he's taken 704. The closest, next closest is Yanni at 423. Wow. Uh, and then Morgan Geeky at uh, 325 and Jared McCann at 316. Now, show percentage. Like, does Geeky have the highest percentage of wins? Is that where you were going next? So uh, the most wins is Alex Winberg by far, 334. But he also has the highest higher, percentage of chances to win. Right. Yanni's next at 212. Uh, Morgan Geeky at 171, and then Jared McCann at 145. Mm. Um, so Shahan's got 135. So that's 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 how many now winning percentage. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, Colin Blackwell's got uh, the highest in the team, but he's only taken 26 faceoffs. So that's kind of not fair. But 53.8 uh, percent. Now so Morgan sample size, but he's winning over half the battle. Mm -hmm. Now Morgan Geeky, uh, 325. He's he's the he's the third. He's taken the third most faceoffs on the team. He's at 52.6. So he's won 171 of them. So over 50, wow. which is pretty good. Yanni has taken 423. He's won 212, um, and he's at 50.1. Uh, mm. um, now to get to uh, Alex is uh, Wenberg is eighth on the list in percentage at uh 47.4 which is pretty awesome when you've taken 704 faceoffs i mean that's 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 yarn croak is at 7 with uh 49.2 he's taken 190 faceoffs which is pretty okay. good turbo's taken two faceoffs he's 50% baby he's won one miss you turbo mm -hmm, we do we miss you um so that's kind of the breakdown there. So, you know, your, your most dependable guy and the guy who's taken the most face-offs is Alex Winberg. Now, your best is probably, you know, arguably maybe Morgan Geeky. Um, because yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a high sample size and he's over 50%. That's pretty damn good. But, you know, Yanni, I mean, you look at Yanni too. Yanni's at 50.1% and he's taken 423 face-offs, so almost 100 more than Morgan Geeky. And, you know, he's also smiling at you while he's down there trying to get that face-off. So. <laughs> you should get a bonus percent for that, by the way, at least like at least another 5%. But so this, I think in a way, you are indirectly answering the question of, are there guys that are face-off guys? And the so answer put, is yes. Yeah. So I just put that in perspective for you. Like that's the the team leaders for the Kraken. Now, mm -hmm. of course, you know the Kraken are you know not one of the best teams in the NHL. But to put that in perspective, oh, I also no. <laughs> yeah, they're, hey, they're the best NHL team in Seattle. They're the best. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, which is fantastic. Well, the um, has to say about that. So uh, all time, all time, the best uh, Yannick, Yannick Perot. He took two 2162 faceoffs mm -hmm. he won 62.86 percent of those wow yeah so this guy now he he has not taken the most um the who has taken the most faceoffs in nhl history sydney crosby has taken twenty three thousand faceoffs holy shit he is 52%. Pretty Pat good. Patrice uh, Bergeron, who's, you know, for the Bruins, still playing. Yeah. Uh, 23,000, like 200 less than Sid. Uh, he's at 57%. Hey, so we're about to see the NHL's second all-time person in amount of face-offs taken on mm -hmm. Tuesday night or yeah. he's, you know, Tuesday early evening. 
and that's good. Like that, the fifty-seven percent is pretty awesome for that's taking twenty-three thousand faces. Patrice Bergeron is one of the most under, and it's you know he's, he's older now, so he's kind of slowed down a bit. But he's one of the most underrated players in the NHL ever. Like he's, I think he's he's on the all, you know, he's in the top ten all-time score list for for Bruins players. Like he's just he's just phenomenal. Uh, Anze Kopitar from the from the Kings is in there too. He's third. All time uh, number of faceoffs taken at twenty one thousand, um, and fifty two, almost fifty three percent. So he's pretty solid. So, um, and then if you look at the actual faceoff winning percentage, I mean, the person who arguably is, um, you know, one of the best who's taken a shit ton, Patrice Bergeron is in the top ten uh, of all time faceoff percentage win percentage so okay. you know he's at number nine um he's at number nine percentage and he's taking the second most all time behind Cindy crosby yeah yeah like okay. that's that that's that, that mean arguably is he the best ever um i think yanni perot um i i forget who but there's been some players who are like known to in certain situations like in the playoffs like you want this guy taking that face off and I think he was just one of those guys. Um, okay, so I have a question now, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'll try to make it quick here. My question is: If you have a guy like Perot, and he's got, and he's in the 60s, right, like 62 mm-hmm. percent or whatever, mm-hmm. he's only done only quote unquote. He's had 2,000 plus faceoffs over his NHL career. If he's at that high of a winning percentage, why not have him take more faceoffs? Is he like a, a specialization guy? Do you save him for, for particular situations only? Yeah, he, I, I'm trying to like maybe like maybe you're in you know maybe you're in uh you know the opposing team zone and you're like okay now Perot is going to go in and this is where he shines. Yeah, he he only like Patrice Bergeron's played in over a thousand games, you know, and there's there's only so many players in the NHL that made it a thousand games, you know, not not a ton. I mean, even on this list of fifty people, um, fifty players, there's only. Four guys who played a thousand games in the NHL. So Yannick Perot, he played 188 games. But I remember, I, I remember specifically watching at some point um, and having him like, yeah. He and he also too was not like a, a stud player. Like he was truly a specialist, if okay. I remember correctly. And there are there are there's some there's a couple other guys from like. Canadians, some famous Montreal Canadians who were like, who was it that was just phenomenal? I was, I'm, I'm, I'm like flashing back to the Montreal Canadiens um, cup run in nine, 1993 when they played the Kings. And who was it that was just like, oh, here he comes for the face off. And is and like, and <laughs> that's my old timey 1990 because that was old timey like hockey impersonation. It's one of my favorites. It's, mm-hmm. it's only number two to you getting uh, riled up about, uh, old uh rivalries and how oh. you off to this day which i was which i was so pissed i completely screwed up by the way by the, the mike vernon oh um, dude, that was that was the the best segment we've Chris had Osgood. for the last 16 episodes that was the best oh well if i'm ranking our for me yes you've had multiple um <laughs> but so face face offs like anything else you know there are players that are phenomenal goal scorers you know alex ovechkin right um there are players that are phenomenal. Obviously, special. There's, there's. Hey, there's a freaking specialty uh, position in hockey. It's called goaltending. Um, you know, there are players that are known for fighting. There are players that are known for being physical and playing defense. So this just makes sense. It's part of the game. 
you know, faceoffs are very, very important. And yeah, it is definitely a specialty position. It's just, and it's typically these are centers too, you know, like playing center is a tough position. Um, and we haven't really talked about positioning too much too. I think in the history of this podcast is we're 17 podcasts deep, but you know, a center is doing a lot of skating. They're, yeah. They're... Next week we'll talk goalies. No, but you're totally right. Because as I was doing some of the research, it was also telling me that more often than not the best shooter on the team or the center will also be the individual who is uh, who's on the face off. So mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense because you can scheme plays around that. So if the person wins the face off, they can put themselves in a position, um, you know, to retrieve the puck from a teammate and then try to put a shot on that. Yeah. Until, so um, until, you know, typically, typically a center is going to take, take the face off unless they get, you know, pitchforked if they get tossed. So that's why it's mostly centers that are going to be um, face-off leaders because that's their job is to, is to win face-off. So it's a great question. You know, face-offs are interesting and there's a lot at play. You know, the referee has a lot to do with it. So watch this next game when, when the face-offs happen and you know, you'll be kind of surprised at how it works. It's cool. It's, it's, it's cool to watch. And in the playoffs too, man, I cannot wait, you know, the Kraken, I don't think we're watching the Kraken in the playoffs, but yeah, yeah. I know as hockey fans, you know, I know, I know you're going to watch Joey. I'm going to watch the playoffs. I know you listening. You're going to watch the playoffs too, just to see it. It's just different in the, the hockey. The playoffs in hockey are just the best and so many things change and you'll see some crazy face-off action going on and guys getting tossed for trying to cheat because everybody's trying to get an inch. So they'll be swallowing. The rest will be swallowing their whistle. Like every game is being played at Madison square garden. That's right. Watch out for that. The <laughs> Rangers got that home, that home ice uh, advantage there. So now speaking of uh, pucks and, and wrestling for them, I thought in hockey history, we could kind of go over uh, a quick history of the biscuit, which is interesting because we take it for granted. And um, you know, hockey pucks to me have always been something that I just truly love. Um, you know, I got a couple I recently gave, um, and I, I honestly, I, I don't know why I wasn't freaking picked for our, uh, Brandon, you know, our, our, our turbo, uh, puck giveaway, uh, this week. Cause I don't have a, a crack in puck, uh, which totally sucks. I should have been given that, but I guess I we gave it the to next our- one for myself. I'll be, I'll be totally honest. I did buy an extra one for myself. Oh, hell yeah. You should have, but, uh, <laughs> and we did well, the one that I held though, that says official puck. So I actually held it in my hands. Is that an official NHL puck? Is that the same shape, size, and everything they play with? Because you've asked me if I ever held, held a puck before. Mm-hmm. I took it out of the package a couple of days ago. Yeah, no, that's it. This is a legit actual puck. By the way, uh, congrats to Cam uh, O'Brien um, on winning that uh, that puck. We gave on Twitter. We gave away a puck, a signed turbo puck on Twitter. So you should totally follow us. Um, and be part of the conversation because we do a lot of talking and we have a lot of fun with you on Twitter. So at Kraken Pod and congrats to him. We're going to do some more giveaways coming up. But yeah, man, hockey pucks are just cool because um, they're it, it, if you hold one and then you watch a game, it really puts in pers- into perspective like how strong and skilled hockey players are to whip this thing around um, and to you know, make it do crazy ass things like the, like the fact that players can just pick the puck up and put it anywhere they want, whether it's like in the top corner or, you know, five hole. I mean, it's amazing because it's fair. It's dense and it's, and it's heavy. You know, the, the, the standard puck. Okay. We're talking about a standard puck here. 
And let me go to the official stats here really quickly because I sure as hell don't know how much an actual <laughs> puck weighs. I just know what it feels like. Is that a um, top? Can I ask you? Is that a top nickname, by the way? Because it is for me. Like the fact that it's called a biscuit, like that's got to be like a top three sports nickname of all time. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, there's one thing about hockey players, and you notice this is nicknames are a big part of the sport. And I'm not trying to be funny. It just is. Yeah. Um, there's a whole lingo, and it changes. Every, I mean, every year there's new shit that's being, you know, formed. Like I, uh, I was watching the highlights of the Rangers game, and Zabinajad. You know, like I'm looking at this, you know, Rangers center and I'm like, man, this guy's got a sick flow, you know, like what's what's a sick flow uh, in hockey? It's his hair. Yeah. So Tanev's hair has got gorgeous locks, got a nice flow. Yeah. So I know we're supposed to talk about pucks, but uh, have you ever seen the um, the all flow teams for the Minnesota high school hockey uh, tournament? What? Uh, videos? No. no, not at all. All right. So I know. We're, screw it. Who cares? We're just dive. We're just going all over the place. Um <laughs> So Minnesota in Minnesota, um, hockey, high school hockey is like a huge, huge deal, which is cool because it's like, you know, in a lot of um, in a lot of places, high school football is a big deal yeah. um, because that's all that towns south. have. Yeah. yeah. And, and especially in the south. Right. Um, but uh, high school hockey in Minnesota is like that. And it's statewide. And there's a state tournament um, every year. And it's like crazy like thousands and thousands of people go to these games like it's a must it's like you know you know pick pick your 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 city's um biggest sporting event this is that for minnesota well i don't know when it started and i want to say it started like a long time ago these videos started i don't know who does it but it's this dude who's now super famous um he just started putting out videos um and it was called the all you know the uh the all hair team uh, for the Minnesota um, state playoffs. And at the time, I think it's like 10 years ago, it was just having fun with like, you know, kids who would have crazy hair uh, for, for the hockey tournament. And a lot of times, you know, teams will do crazy shit with their hair just as like a team building thing. And, you know, hockey players, a lot of hockey players just have, you know, long hair. It's just a thing. Um, well, now it's turned into a thing where I'm pretty sure teams just try to out top each other with insane hair for this tournament. And um, it's hilarious. You got to watch some of these videos. You got to go to YouTube and hit up, you know, the, the all hair team for the Minnesota high school hockey tournament. And you're going to watch it. It's absolutely going to check that out. I'm, I'm all over it. It's hilarious because it's like this, you know, oh Minnesota, hey, look at this guy, and like I can't, I'm not nowhere near as funny as this dude. He's like, (laughs) he's making fun of like kids. He's making fun of high school kids with like mullets and stuff. It's fantastic, and they're loving it. You know, they're they're on it too. Which no, it's like totally awesome. So anyway, yes, uh, hockey is a game of nicknames, and biscuit is totally one of the best. You know, I think for a helmet, like a bucket, like that's just an awesome, awesome nickname. But the standard hockey puck, ice hockey puck, it is, first of all, it's vulcanized rubber. I need to, I don't know what the fuck vulcanized means, but it's like hard, hard as shit. Like it's kind of bouncy. I think Star Trek invented that, the, Vul- mm-hmm. the vulcanized. Yeah. yeah, that's a Star Trek totally thing. Do all that shit. That's a fact for you. I uh, know. Um, it's uh, one inch thick, three inches in diameter. It's round, obviously, and it weighs between five and a half and six ounces. Okay. So now here's something that I, you and I forgot about this, but it's true. Uh, did you know this? Maybe you did, Joey. I think maybe we talked about this. Is you know, like puck, they freeze the pucks before um, playing with them. I actually did not know that, but that makes a lot of sense because now it's really scooting around that ice. Holy crap! 
also too a warm uh, puck. It's galvanized or it's vulcan. I'm sorry, vulcanized rubber. Vulcanized. It, it bounces. Time. It bounces. So if it's frozen, it doesn't bounce as much. That's why they in the NHL the the pucks are officially frozen um, before playing. So that's why you'll hear like sometimes you'll hear them reference like the uh, you know a fro- frozen puck. Like you'll you'll hear them talk about that. The frozen biscuit. I like it. Yeah. So like in history of the the puck. Um, so like we, we could get into hockey history, but like hockey developed from like a bunch of other games that are played in North America. Um, like lacrosse has been around for a long time, longer than hockey, but there's other things like, you know, hurling, something called shinty, um, bandy, right. That's where, and, and the word puck, by the way, apparently comes from some, um, crazy Scottish word that means like, uh, and I don't have the definition in front of me, but it's like uh, something you play a, a goddamn game with. I think that might be the official definition in the, the Scottish way, I, I think. Um, so the first pucks were made of wood and rubber uh, in the 1870s. Records from, and I'm reading this from Wikipedia, the first indoor ice hockey game used a wooden puck to prevent it from leaving the area of play. Apparently, they're saying that there may have been some pucks used from large cuts of cork as well. <laughs> and uh, uh, the Victoria Hockey Club of Montreal in the 1880s credited with, with first using rubber pucks that they made by slicing up rubber balls. So, like, they would, like, cut the top and the bottom off of a ball, and then they would trim the the edges right okay and and it was originally i think square before it was rounded so this is like the history of the hockey puck like straight up back in the day where you know hockey pucks first you know came around but that's and then i think like the the modern version that we know it um kind of came about in like the uh, early you know 1900s like 19 20 something like that i really need to see i'm sure there's a youtube video showing how they make hockey pucks which i totally am going to watch that and then the minnesota high school hockey thing um but that's pretty much the gist of of the history of the hockey puck but what's kind of cool is diving into this i completely forgot about a couple of things and this kind of focuses on the all-star game is back in the day i don't know you know you know, I'm a few years older than you, but you might have been around to see this. Do you remember the smart puck or the fox tracker puck? No. Okay. So on your YouTube Googling, you know, on your YouTube searches, you need to search the Minnesota thing, but then also to the fox track smart puck. Okay. So they first tested this out in the all-star game uh, in 1996 in Boston. And I remember this because they used it for a few years. Um, and I always wondered, and I didn't realize this until um, I literally looked this up earlier today, is they stopped using this when Fox Sports lost the NHL rights because this was a Fox Sports thing. And there's probably a documentary about this damn puck, but it was actually pretty cool. Now, I remember, you know, I remember like having, I, I don't know how I felt about it. But it basically, when you're watching a game on TV, it was a puck that had sensors in it and they had sensors around the glass. So you were watching it on TV and it would glow. So oh, like, wow. 
you would basically see it like it was for people who didn't really know how hockey worked to watch. And what was really cool when the puck went over, uh, what was it? Uh, what does it say? Was it a hundred miles an hour or it went over a certain speed? It would have like a fire streak behind it. Oh my God. That's like NBA jam for ice hockey basically. going on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. That's totally it. Uh, that's what here it is. It was a blue streak would, uh, would trace the puck. And then when the puck was hit really hard, it would turn red. That's it. So it was like this, it would kind of streak around with like a short little trail behind it um, uh, on the ice. And then if they like, you know, a slap shot or a wrist shot, it would be like a long red streak. Did fans actually like that when they had the tracker on the puck watching the games? Because I know when I first started watching, I had a hard time following it. And I still hear that as like a common I don't want to say a complaint, but I'm just I'm I'm wondering now if they were to somehow bring that back. Like let's say Fox gives up the rights to have the tracking, you know, for the puck for games that you're watching. Do you think fans would like it or do you does it matter anymore? I think that I don't know cuz I was I was pretty, you know, entrenched in hockey in 1996, so like I knew the game. Um I was 17. Um and you know, so like you'd have to go back in time and ask somebody who was like new to the game then. Cause I would have to imagine, I don't remember, I don't remember hating it and I don't remember thinking it was the greatest thing ever. Um, but, and first of all, too, they only used it on national um, Fox broadcasts. So I remember seeing it in a lot of games. Like they did have it in the playoffs. Um, but I remember seeing it like in a lot of, um, I have memories of springtime and matinee games on weekends because you know oh, wow. as you as you now have seen is a lot there's a lot of games on uh after uh you know in the second half of the year there's a lot of games um on the weekend uh, mm-hmm. during the day yeah so i remember that quite a bit so it, it was it's a it was a cool idea i do remember that game the all-star game i remember it when it was debuted it was like oh my god this is crazy and then i think there was times where i was like eh you know, but there there's videos on YouTube of it and you can watch games um, on YouTube of what it looks like. So I would say this is if they brought it back today, I could imagine if here, you know, you're a new hockey fan and, you know, you're into the Kraken and you're listening to this podcast and you're like, you know, learning about hockey and stuff like that. You might like it because it does give you an idea of how the puck works, you know, and, and, and how to follow it around. Okay. So, yeah, that's a really good point. I'll have to. That's another thing I'm going to have to YouTube after this. So I'm really excited to check that out. I don't remember that at all. No, it's, um, it was cool. So, uh, the other thing too, is it, and it goes with the all-star game is, um, we've talked about this is, you know, one of my, my favorite event is the hardest shot. Um, and just so you know, the hardest, and, and this is another thing that I found out, which I kind of got pissed off about is the, the hardest, um, NHL clock shot ever was in the 2013 NHL all-star game. Zdeno Chara, who still plays mm-hmm. um, his slap shot was uh, clocked at 108.8 miles per hour. Jesus. Uh-huh. And um, he broke his own record. Now, <laughs> now this, this uh, there, there's a, a, in this Wikipedia entry, uh, apparently the world record is held by Dennis Kalash of the KHL's um, avant-garde Omsk. Omsk? I'm not sure. Um, 200, I'm sorry, 110 miles per hour. Jesus. Now, now, it's coming from Russia, and look, 
I, I was going to say, is this the Kremlin Hockey League? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I think maybe these Russian radar guns might be tweaked a little bit. So <laughs> Somehow the radar guns are also on steroids. Like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, now Zdeno Chara, I'm pretty sure he's he's Czech. So I mean, he's maybe he's used to that. Maybe he, I don't know. But he's, um, I'm sure he is going to be part of this hardest shot competition. Um this weekend, which would be cool. I so, hope so. I am going to watch all of it. If for some reason I get tied up with plans, I will DVR it and then watch it later. I am not missing it. I am very, very, very excited. Jeff, I forgot to mention something to you. What, to, what? I need to share this with you Shit. and with everybody, and then we can what? wrap this up. I apologize. No. One of the things, the first thing that I watched when I was sick, the Netflix documentary, Danbury Trashers. Oh, you finally, finally watched, watched it. it. I finally watched it. It was the first thing that I watched. Um, when I wasn't feeling well, I lay on the couch and I like opened up Netflix and I was like, what's, what am I going to watch? I was like, Oh my God, I've been wanting to watch this documentary for so long. I finally watched it blown away, made me fall in love with hockey that much more. I wish I were a fan of the sport when the Danbury trashers, uh, were still around. Um, actually, aren't they doing, aren't they doing like a Danbury Trashers kind of a game with Barstool Sports this uh, upcoming weekend for NHL All-Star, All-Star Weekend? They're doing so. So I'm a big, I'm a big Chicklets fan. And um, man, I, I just, I love that podcast. And, you know, I love hockey. Yeah, second and hours, naturally. Yes. No, I think in the hockey uh, podcast rankings, we are number two to them. Um, but, you know, I actually have like two bottles of, um, of pink whitney in the in the and it's just actually phenomenal it's really good um ice cold though ice cold so um just like no that. and and i actually I, you know because i've been playing um street hockey in the street in in the driveway with my son my son's like obsessed with it which is just makes me so happy and we've been playing i mean i've played street hockey i think now five out of the last eight days um in the driveway which is neat that's awesome barstool and um and chicklets they have they have this thing they uh it's the chicklets cup it is a ball hockey uh tournament that's so, right it's the chicklets cup you're absolutely right so that's what's going on is it's they have different levels like the first one ever which is pretty cool was in detroit last summer um and i'm like so jealous that it happened in detroit i'm so jealous that i didn't go home and get some of my hood rat friends um <laughs> when we played we would play like in the mall parking lot at one in the morning after all the old red wings jerseys and just oh town a bunch no, of no. years i used to work at arby's dude back in the high school days i used to leave yeah. arby's i i have played many a hockey game in arby's pants and um shirt Oh my and, god! Uh, this is the most um, Detroit I've ever heard. This is the best story. I mean, it's phenomenal. <laughs> I hope people make it to the one hour and like fifty minute mark because they're missing out on some gold right now. <laughs> some gold. Uh, so I got all these pants playing hockey at, at well, one in the morning. <laughs> I think that I think we should just turn hockey history into the shit I remember from when I was growing up. That's it. I think it should just be that because the, the stuff that I'm finding is like, hey, here's the history of the hockey puck. No, I'm going to talk about me playing with it's my buddy be, Mike Mike Crest in the. It's going to call shit. Jeff remembers. <laughs> you know what we should do? Maybe for our second interview ever. Um, you know, which uh, we, we first interview was Brandon from Thirty Two Crew, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, maybe my our second interview. I should we should interview Mike Cress, who um I grew up playing street hockey with, and I still talk to to this day. Um. And whenever we got together, like we, we had epic battles, um, you know, me versus him out in the streets. And then we teamed up to play roller hockey on legit teams. And what was awesome is like 
we would go back and forth against each other uh, out there, like and just beat each other's asses. And like, we wouldn't beat each other up, but I mean, like we would like work our asses off to try and score on each other, oh, yeah. um, which sounds weird. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm not <sighs> so <Wait, wait>. low <laughs> hanging fruit, Jeff, low hanging yeah, fruit. We're just gonna let, let the listeners, they can come up with their own jokes. They can tweet at us. Well, at Pod. <laughs> we should, I, we should have them on here for at least, in the in the like the bullshit minutes like the you know the 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 what do you call it the bench minutes of this podcast Dude, because we, we could covered podcasting after dark this we is could talk shit. yeah we could talk is... some shit because when when Cress and i got together uh and played on legit like roller hockey team and we're talking like you know still this is like uh uh bullshit rec leagues we destroyed people like our 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 um our street battles we took it to other teams in um in roller hockey and just 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 made them like look stupid which was phenomenal um so we should have cress on to talk about roller hockey in the streets of metro detroit which is phenomenal so back to you and the chicklets cup first of all the answer to your question is the danbury trashers have a team in the tournament yes they do uh, the spit and chicklets cup i'm not sure if the the dude in the documentary um uh, the, the the guy who owned the team, I'm not sure if he's actually playing, um, but he is like the manager of their team. Um, yeah, I don't think he's playing. I think he's going to play the role of manager. I mean, when she, you know, he was the president of the Danbury Trashers, you know, when uh, when they existed. And for anyone that hasn't seen the documentary, um, we've gone on long enough. It's fucking amazing. I mean, I've heard about it a lot and you were talking with me about it. I finally had the chance to watch it. I could watch it again. It was just a, a great, great documentary. I would awesome. highly recommend it. Please go and watch on Netflix, uh, Danbury Trashers, Crime and Penalties. And what's crazy is like the previews of it and the first 20 minutes, you're like, this is, these guys are scumbags. But the it, the story comes back around to being like, you just really go like, oh my God, this is amazing. The way they, this is just the way they made the movie is phenomenal. I mean, the guy that owned them, um, the name's the name is slipping me, but the, the individual that owned the team that mm-hmm. gave the team to his 17-year-old son to run, like mm-hmm. this minor league hockey team. Mm-hmm. Um, they they loosely, somewhat even not so loosely, based the Sopranos off of him. I mean, mm-hmm. his son was named AJ. He had a, 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 a you know a trash company. I mean, it was like so spot on with Sopranos. Mm-hmm. It was just it's just hilarious. So yep. uh, yeah, I, that's I, I've said too much. Just go and watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, okay. It's just, Great, great documentary. Well, I think in hockey history for next week, we either talk to Mike Kress or we could list the best hockey movies of all time. I don't know how many you've seen. I've seen a few. So uh, between this and like Mighty Ducks, not a lot. I still haven't seen Slapshot. There's a there's a handful of hockey movies I have not seen that I, I really need to get on. Slapshot's okay. Um, I need okay. to watch it again. It's a little it's a little 70s depressing in between the funny parts. Okay. Um, if I remember right. But Miracle? Have you seen Miracle? I haven't seen Miracle. Wait, uh, maybe one time, but it's been a hot minute. Also, there's one that the dude, you know, uh, Stifler, uh, that he was in somewhat recently. I forget what it's called, but apparently it's really good. I think it's also on Netflix. Oh, um, this is what happens when we start podcasting after dark, Jeff. Cutting Edge. Cut it. We're going to have to. The Cutting Edge is the uh, the guy who uh, was a pro hockey player, and, and he, his, you know, I'll never forget is he, um, 
gets the denial letter like the, the, the Detroit Red Wings sorry to say we don't you know your tryout wasn't successful we're not gonna sign you to it and then he goes to become a figure skater and wins a gold medal and that was mm-hmm. like that was a movie that was like pretty big in the 90s and like you know chicks dug it and stuff like that and I was like there's not enough hockey in this, but I'm going to watch it because I think my girlfriend liked it. Um, well, my favorite hockey movie of all time is Happy Gilmore. And you're not going to talk me out of saying that's not a hockey movie. So I don't care. I'm, I don't know. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm there with you. I mean, that's legit, you know, right there. That's 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 like Oscar. If the, there should be Oscars for hockey movies, that would definitely get it. <laughs> Clean sweep. Yeah. <laughs> Every category. So, so we got a lot to talk about next week um, between Mardi Gras, between some of these things, uh, the movies. Um, but let's watch the all-star game. Um, we'll do some live tweeting with that. Have some fun with the all-star game. Let's get some crack. It would be nice to have some cracking wins this week um, before we go in the all-star break and then come back. And what's great is after the all-star break, man, we got a lot of freaking hockey to play with the crack. A lot, There's of, a lot of games to fit in with this COVID shit. So um, dude, be healthy. Okay. Uh, I will talk to you later on this weekend. Um, make sure if you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, on the TikTok, it's all at Kraken Pod. Um, we also thank you for leaving ratings too wherever you listen to us um, on your favorite podcast spot. Joey, you good? I'm good, man. Just yeah, thank you so much. I've seen a lot of the the ratings and reviews come in, and we we check out every single one of them, and it's much appreciated. It helps people discover the podcast, and uh, yeah, I mean, we launched it. You know, we launched this podcast with the start of the of the Kraken season. So we're still pretty new to all of this. So everyone's support goes a long way. So thank you, everybody, so much. Uh, the podcast continues to grow because of you. So we're very, very grateful. And I'll say ditto. And I'll say this is, unfortunately, for our Chirp of the Week, we don't know what Cousins said to Vince Dunn. At some point, we'll find out what he chirped at Vince Dunn for him to lay that sweet uh, backhanded smack across his face um, in that Penguins game. But we don't know. We don't know. We, we will. I got that DM to Vince. So we'll see if he answers that. But still, we like to have fun with some chirps and some shit talking on the ice. So thank you for listening to What Lies Beneath the Seattle Kraken Podcast. Here is your chirp of the week. Yeah, do you have the skinniest legs in the week or what? Skinniest shin like-